again and welcome to We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast, again in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network. We're here to deliver all your Southampton fan stories and knowledge direct from two people who have been directly and indirectly involved in the club. One of whom is Steve Forbes. Hiya. The other, Tom Deacon. <laughs> Mate, a part felt like you were doing one of those uh, podcasts where you, you fall asleep to. Uh, your voice was very soothing. Do you reckon I could get paid for that? A bit of extra income Mate, if I did that? I would scrap this podcast immediately to get paid. No, right. uh, don't do that. Stay here. <laughs> stay with us. Uh, great to be back, Steve. Good to see your face. For those that can't see his face, you can, of course, see it on match days on Saints Live, whereas you might see my face at the game. That's as good as it gets for me at the yeah, moment. And on the stage when you perform your stand-up comedy. That's People true. can see you then. Hey! And uh, on telly and on Sky Sports F1. Yep. Don't sell yourself short. No, I, I, I won't. Um, thank you. You're like my... Um, my good conscience. Um, your hype man. Uh, you, I'd you, just be behind you. Just every time you tell a joke, I'd be like, laugh, fuckers, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Bit aggressive, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I have just been booked for February, um, a Saturday in February. Can't off the top of my head remember which one it is, but Manford's in Southampton, right in the heart of it. Um, very small room. Going to be lovely playing that, closing the gig. So Southampton, I might come out. along and see you. No, it's a strict uh, entry. Uh, you can't. Uh, no, you can't just rock up and buy a ticket. Oh no, it's not right, for anyone. Okay. It's selected, is it VIP. It's selected uh, participants only. But yeah, oh. uh, brackets. You can just buy a ticket. Yeah, but I'll, I'll get okay, you one. Don't worry. Fair. I'll nice, get you nice, one. nice. And if you're new to the podcast and you haven't subscribed or followed us across social media, then you can do at We March On Pod. Uh, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from, make sure to uh, give us five star rating. That always helps. It's difficult to review. ask, isn't it? It's difficult to ask people for something, but we need your help, so please do it. Yeah, we really do. Um, 116 followers so far on Twitter. Not amazing. We might. Should we pay to get verified now? I know Elon Musk is rolling out a £7 a month scheme to get that little that little tick in the corner. I think it would make all the difference. I think what, what it is at the moment, what's holding back more Southampton fans finding out about us is um, is that blue tick. I think that's what's mm. holding us back as soon as we change it. Although, uh, big shout out straight away to Lushy. Listen to the last podcast we had. Uh, we were talking about Lip Hook Carnival. It's very much mm. like, imagine Notting Hill Carnival and imagine a complete opposite of that. And uh, there's no police. And um, he, he, he really enjoyed the podcast and said, oh, if only I'd have known. I mean, we could have been having yeah. selfies. So what I'm trying to say is we're building slowly getting that number getting this number thank you very much saints fans indeed are you blue tick verified tom no i'm not i i'm not no? i'm not even if I, i'm not paying for that i just don't know what it get i'm in a position where i'm not straight up hustling to be sliding into people's dms i.e that verification apparently used to get you attention from the yeah. from you know an opposite sex and um that's that's not that's not where i'm at in my life steve so don't need it but professionally yeah. probably do need it <laughs> have, you, have you ever applied i did send off like the application once you know like every so often it's like you can now apply for a blue tick and i'm like well i'm not 
I'm not somebody, but I'm not nobody. So I was like, well, I'm going to try and, and see if I can get one. And like the, the criteria, I didn't really know where I fell into because it was like journalism or entertainment. I was like, I'm kind of between the two. And uh, journalism, basically, you needed to send off like actual stories that you'd written in papers or magazines and stuff that had like bylines from you. And I don't have any because all my journalism is is on the radio. Um and then the entertainment side was like credits for like TV shows or films. I was like, well, I don't have any of those either. So I ended up sending uh, in uh, when Southampton put out on their official website, um, like a, a start of season press release, or not press release, like a start of season uh, story. And it had like, it was about Saints Live. It was like Saints Live is back. And it was maybe like last season it was like for the 2021-22 season. So I, I sent that I sent that in as like screenshot of it. It was like, there we go. I mentioned in this particular story of this is what I do. And no, they did not oh, accept mate. that as um, as verification criteria. So bang out of order. Yeah. What now? Now the musk's in. There's a new. There's a new smell. There's a new musk in the air. Um, I don't I, want to pay. I don't want to pay seven pounds a month. Although, if you're previously blue tick verified, I wonder if you'll now have to pay for it regardless. But what it just seems to me is now you're going to see so many people popping up with a blue tick, and you're just going to think we're just paying for it. Like it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's lost. It's lost all meaning, Tom. It it's lost a little bit of its value, as you say. Yeah little bit of its value um but just deep you're still you're verified in my eyes and anyone oh, who listens to this sweet. podcast knows that we are fully verified um but as steve says please uh keep your little uh, messages coming through it's lovely to um to have those so thank you yeah has it been a busy week for you tom no just been uh, refreshing to wait and see when a certain manager of a football team that we follow um is no longer part of the club other than that been very quiet very quiet yeah. indeed mate yeah, well, that you? is well. We are going to come on to that particular refreshment in a, in a second. Uh, it's been a, a, a kind of a standard week in terms of like working, etc. If you um, talk about duvets at this point, or any other sort of homely thing about uh, cupboards or shelves or anything, this is not what this podcast is no, about, I, Steve. Don't I you dare! Do I haven't it. had. I haven't had another um, another meeting or. What's it called when they turn up and like take your measurements? <laughs> Consultation, that's it. I haven't had another one of them in regards to any other home improvements. But I have spent a chunk of money this week, Tom, okay. um, on a new vehicle. Um, a new as whip? Listeners, a, a new whip, yes. Uh, as, as listeners who are maybe more frequented with the podcast may know, I've not had a car for about two months now. And the, the previous car before that was an absolute old banger. I loved it dearly. Um, but it was 22 years old. It was on its way out. Um, and, and I had to get rid. And since then, I've, I've been uh, transportless other than um, my girlfriend's uh, little hatchback. So this week I treated myself, Tom. Okay, I'm liking the sound of this. They see me rolling. Yeah, here he is, yeah. Steve Forbes. What did you go for? Uh, you don't have to say, but mm. in terms of a chunk, is this car worth the chunk of money? Um, for what people will perceive me to be, no. For the metaphorical penis extension, maybe. Um <laughs> So I I bought a I bought a Jag. Oh, I have to be wow. one of the, I have to say like a something wanky now. Like do they, to, do they I, tell I, you that them. in the showroom? They're like, listen, um, I know you might be pronouncing it Jaguar, but it's now a Jag. You're part a of the jag. crew now. You're Jag. Yeah. Do, have you seen another Jag driver 
and you do that thing where I remember having a motorbike and you you do a little nod, you do a little tip of the hat, like yeah, fellow no, Joe. I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't, I haven't actually seen one yet. But it, it's a much bigger car than I previously had. Um, and there's something weird that comes with driving a big car, especially as as I'm quite a little fellow, where you become a dickhead. Um, and I've only driven it for two days, uh, and already I feel just like you know I oh, own no. the road. Um, yeah. And I never felt like that before. But there's like something about the elevated height of of, of the drive um, and taking up a lot of space that just gives you some sort of entitlement. Mate, to choosing not to stop. If you've elevated in life and status, and you feel more superior, then it has done the job. Money well spent, sir. But you know what? I haven't spent any money on a haircut in the last six months, so it's, it's almost paid for half the car. All right then, Steve. Uh, moving swiftly on with our podcast, let's get to the burning issue around Southampton FC. And that is very much related to a mention of a car and a haircut. Uh, there has been a, a significant cut at Southampton and someone who is now leaving the vehicle, which is Southampton Football Club. We're moving in a new direction. We are managerless. We are getting a new manager. I just think that was a lovely analogy. You know, you've say, we've saved on cutting before. Now we've made that cut. Let's drive this vehicle at 90 mile an hour to make sure that uh, we don't get relegated. Ralph Hasenhutl has left the building. That was very long-winded. I felt shoehorned <laughs> in to try and make the previous part relevant. Uh, but I still like it, Tom. That's absolutely fine. Um, yes, Ralph has gone. Um, we'll have a, a slight moment of, of silence. Moment's over. Um, Ralph, unfortunately, yes, uh, was relieved of his duties on Monday following almost four years in the job at St. Mary's. Personally, I liked Ralph. Um, I think... As we've both stated, the writing was maybe on the wall. Um, I think that the way the team has been performing this season especially has not been excellent. And it's not what we saw at the start of his tenure. So I think it's only four wins in the Premier League since the 16th of April. Not great. Obviously, there's quite a few draws in there. And some of the teams we have beat have been the bigger teams. I think that, that game in April was against Arsenal. And then we've beaten Chelsea as well. But... Yeah, it felt like the team has maybe been devoid of energy and creativity. And sometimes it's just the right time to freshen it up. As much as I think Ralph seemed like a lovely person, only ever caught his eye a couple of times. Twice maybe at Staplewood, he's walked past and said hello and I got a little tingle. What were you wearing? Is that, it sounds like you you caught his eye. <laughs> what were you wearing, Steve? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But he was very pleasant. And I just thought, you know, and, yeah. and I, I really liked when he first came into the club and the kind of the, the, the Gargan or Gagan press that he introduced and the way the team played and um, hunting down in packs. And I thought they were excellent. And, and unfortunately, it feels like that's unraveled maybe over the past 12 months. And we're just maybe teams have figured Southampton out and there's no fresh ideas. Uh, the uh, last last few games that I've been to we're very much a backwards and sideways team. I'm not seeing a lot of cutting through ball, other than maybe Moyes for Stuart Armstrong's goal um, against Arsenal. I haven't seen a huge amount of creativity and it seems we'll, we'll get it out to one of the wide players or one of the fullbacks and then it'll just be play it back or play it inside to Prousey, square it across the middle, do the exact same thing again. And it just looks 
it's dull. It's boring football for for large parts of it. And and unfortunately, I think that's what's cost Ralph his job. Maybe not so much the results, although it is. It's not great that we're 18th in the Premier League and in the relegation zone. But I think it's the style of football. I think you can you can get away with exciting, energetic, pressing football and lose games. But if you're losing games and playing badly, that's when it becomes, I suppose, unacceptable. And unfortunately for Ralph, yeah, he's out the door now. He is out the door, Steve. I agree with your sentiments. It's it's a shame to see a manager that's at times been so loved on the South Coast. However, like you say, uh, this is this is football. There's been many results where you think Ralph's surely going to be sacked now uh, because it's a results-driven industry. He's been given time. He started at Southampton when we were in 18th position. He leaves when we're in 18th position. I know cyclical. It's very it, full circle. Know, and that is what football is. It cycles. Um, I feel like there was a lot of investment made this year. And yes, I feel like his downfall has been the fact he hasn't had a striker that can score goals. I feel like that maybe would have just papered over cracks uh, that were beginning to form. There's been talk about players not particularly liking Ralph at times. A little bit arrogant has been bantered about. Uh, And yes, a a decision had to be made. The owners have decided, let's move in a new direction. That doesn't mean for everything that Ralph's built at at the South Coast has to change. But change isn't always a bad thing. I feel sad for Ralph because he, he seems to live and breathe Southampton FC. And that's what's kept him in that job for so long because he's so hardworking, so determined. But... A decision has been made. And I've always said on this podcast, I will follow and support Ralph until he's no longer the manager. So now it's about how can we improve this team and uh, a new manager will have to come in. And there's some very talented players in that team, but I don't think they've been playing at the the level they need to be. Or, or maybe the tactics or ideas seem a little bit flat and we need to to shake things up. Yeah, 100%. And I think you raise a good point with how committed Ralph was or certainly what seemed like from the outside is he was like he embodied or maybe not embodied Southampton, but he certainly adopted everything that came with the club and he wanted to change the ethos. You've got to remember, we went through managers like Claude Puel and uh, Pellegrino and uh, Mark Hughes. And although credit to Mark Hughes for keeping Southampton in the Premier League that particular season, but not inspiring stuff and I felt like Ralph came in and went you know what this club the rich history of producing youth talent I want to I want to take that on board and I want to develop that and I want to almost have that Barcelona style ethos of of getting players to play the same system right the way throughout the youth teams into the first team and um, and then the way he wanted to integrate with the with the women's team playing at St Mary's and and showing support for them and I really feel that Ralph did a great job in just harnessing Southampton as a football club and and bringing it all together, which I don't think should be underestimated because there is quite a few managers that we've seen, not even just at Southampton, just in football in general, that the club is just a job for them. Mm. They they don't have an affiliation. They don't care. It's just, well, they're not saying they don't care, but they they don't have that same passion. And what I felt with Ralph a lot is he really cared and he took these losses and he took the... The, the struggles at times to heart and it, it affected him. I did love that when he used to wear his little Southampton McDonald's outfit with a cap and the little polo shirt, um, it, it made me it made me smile. He did try and change it up with the waistcoat and the and the smart look. I don't think it really suited him, but um, 
you know, I, I, I don't really have a huge amount bad to say about Ralph because I actually think what were the expectations, right? Yeah. Is Southampton under Ronald Koeman had an excellent couple of seasons, got into Europe, and then after that, it it was almost back to reality, right? Mm. And then Ralph comes in, and admittedly, first season isn't isn't fantastic, but finished eleventh in his second season. That's a, that's a, for me. I think that's a very good finish for Southampton Football Club. And then maybe the wheels started to come off towards the kind of middle part of last season into this season. Mm. Um, I, do, and that's just, that's just what happens. Yeah, I, I feel also. Um just so everyone's very clear listening, I, I, you have to be grateful for what Ralph has achieved. I'm also of the opinion that, that it is the right decision to mm. to part ways because I don't think there's any coming back from the fact that, you know, it's reported in this paper, this online publication, he's going to be sacked. It's just a matter of when, is it going to be the it's World Cup? a lot Cup? of negative press, right? So much. And I think that's really hard to build back and build back the, the Saints fans that as soon as we had a loss, regardless of how well we played like crystal palace we could have we could have potentially won that game even though we weren't a full 90 minute great performing uh, team and against newcastle they had four shots on goal <laughs> on target they win by four goals something's not clicking with the team and you, you, in previous seasons we've gone well look there's no one better that can do this job so let's stay with ralph but because of that investment that's been made i feel like that's a time to to push on and um, the new ownership have a an idea of who they want to bring in, which we'll we'll get onto. But but for Ralph, he's done some brilliant things at Southampton and should be remembered in that respect. But I I do agree that for me personally, it's time to to move that on. And there's been some amazing moments. We got to the top of the Premier League first time in 32 years that that's ever happened. Yeah, Couldn't believe it. And you're like, how far can this team go? Ironically, they just beaten Newcastle two nil to get to the top of the Premier League, and then we yeah. lose to Newcastle. Ralph loses his job, but but I, I feel like that there's been some terrible moments. Let's not forget the terrible moments that we've had. The two nine nils. I was there for the the home game against Chelsea six nil, and and you're like, how does anyone keep keep their job? And mm. maybe at times Ralph took it personally. So when and I've seen it in many reports, players would say he would celebrate as if he's the reason why the the win happened, and when it's not going right it's the players aren't quite good enough and hey as long as you know I, I hope that he leaves and there's there's many positives to take from it in his career and now the players and I know that we're recording this on Wednesday and we've got Sheffield Wednesday tonight I'm going you're going I cannot wait to see how those players that we feel are right on the fringes start to play maybe a few of those players have been shackled in some respect by Ralph's managerial tactics and ideas. And, you know, imagine if there's like a hat trick for Shea Adams, we'll be like, how did this happen? Like, you do know what I mean? Oh. It, I, I feel like there's, 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 but then does that optimism. not annoy you? Because you think, well, you, if you clearly can do it, why are you not doing it for the boss? Yeah. Because really, really players, let's, and this may be going off, off topic of the, uh, for a moment, but players shouldn't be playing for a manager, you should be playing for the club. Yeah. So it really frustrates me when I see this happen. And, and it's not uh, uh, an uncommon thing. There's all that a new manager bounce is, is something that's very common in football. And it really frustrates me when you see players and, and I know confidence and I know emotion and, and, and how you're feeling and your mental health plays a big factor in how you perform. But when you see certain players at 50% of their ability under a certain manager, they go in the next game, they're like, 
absolutely flying again. It's like you shouldn't be playing for a manager. You're playing for the shirt. You're playing for the club. The manager is just the the, the lead cog in this machine. But you should not be playing to please him. You should be playing to please the 30,000 people paying their money to watch you. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think that's why it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. Ruben Sellers is going to be taking over um, caretaker manager. Apparently, a lot of the players like him. He's set us up, set us up and set piece wise uh, to be better in defence. Ignore the Newcastle game. Um, as Jamie Redknapp said, it was one of the worst defensive displays he's ever seen. Well, you can do one, Jamie, but we'll tackle that another day. However, how they bounce back it is going to be fascinating to see who does step up and starts playing like a worldie. And you're like, you're quite right. Like, why weren't you doing that when Ralph was here? And then mm. you start thinking as a fan, well, you pay your money to go and watch them and you're not putting all the full effort in. I know that's not the full story, but you can't help but feel like that. Oh, because now Ralph's gone, you're going to start, you yeah. know, putting 110% effort in. Because then you question when players aren't on form. Well, why are you being like that? Is it because you've had a yeah. bit of a tip? And it's very difficult, but look, you know, I hope that's not the case, but then I don't want them to play rubbish in the cup against Sheffield Wednesday. And you'd be like, oh no, they were awful, regardless of Ralph or whoever's in. That's that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, if we look at Ralph's record in the Premier League, 151 games, 47 wins, 36 draws and 68 losses. I don't think it's that bad, if I'm honest with you, mate. No, not at all. But, but, but a lot of fans will say it's the style of play and everyone's a football manager sat in their seat. Once you've paid mm. your money, you're, and with social media, you're allowed to say what you want. And we all feel like we could do a better job. Like why is Theo Walcott starting up front against Newcastle? You go, well, do, I, I don't know why, but mm. do you know, and we don't know what was going well, on behind the There is another the thing as well, where, I, and this again, maybe playing devil's advocate and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sort of vindicate Ralph in any way, because we, we have said that we agree that, that change is needed, but, Maybe we're slightly hamstrung this season when it comes to injuries. There's been some big players who've missed chunks. And, and as we've, we've touched on certain players, maybe not living up to their standards. I mean, Tino's been out for a while. Yeah. An excellent, excellent young right back. Carl Walker-Peters got injured the other week. Romeo Lavia's missed two months. Um, it, it, Ralph has, has not had all of his guns firing. James Ward-Prowse, maybe he's just feeling... Um, the effects of two seasons playing almost, I think, maybe even every minute, but certainly almost every single minute of Premier League football for two years um, at a very high level and, and and been excellent. And maybe he's feeling that now and that's catching up with him. And that's the reason he hasn't been quite at the level we we know he can play at. Um, Salisu's been out. Bella Kotchap's been out. Um it, I think there is a, another case if we really want to kind of in a way, not back Ralph up, but but give him a little bit of, you know, slack. It would be that he hasn't necessarily had yeah. oh. everything at his disposal for the full, what, three months of the season so far. Yeah, I agree. Look, look I can't be clearer than this. I liked Ralph. I, I meeting him, interviewing him several times. I caught his eye as well a couple of times, Steve. Um, <laughs> what were you wearing? <laughs> not a lot. No, I was wearing full clothes. Thank you. <laughs> and double socks because it was very cold in the tunnel uh, that day. Uh, the, the point is a manager is a victim of circumstances. Football isn't fair. We know that. If he could put out the best 11, great. I feel like a lot of fans this season and towards the end of last season when results weren't happening, Ralph 
didn't seem to know who the best 11 is. And um, I know that's a very flippant thing to say, but when you feel like, what is this club? What is our identity? It gets a little bit lost. Um, and it, it, someone, someone head has to go on the board. In American football, what they do, you've got your head coach who's in charge of everything, but then you have an offense coach and a defense coach. And one card you can play as the top dog, i.e. Ralph, is you sack the backroom people, the people that assist you. And he did that at the start of this year. He brought in his own people. I don't think there was many more chips he could play as, mm. as a manager and say, oh, well, look, if we have this, the last one as he leaves is, I didn't get the striker I wanted. And, you know, but so that's why I'm, I think we're both agreeing, did some great stuff. Some things didn't work out. We move on as a club and we will see very shortly whether it was potentially Ralph or something else at play. Do you have a, a favourite Ralph moment from his uh, almost four years in charge? I think, because I'm a softy, the 1-0 win against Liverpool. Ooh, that's timely, isn't it? Because Liverpool's our mm. next game after the cup one. Uh, is the fact that he got down on his knees, started crying. And I don't know whether that was, I just feel like that's why I loved him so much. He fe- He looked like a Saints fan. You know, he just looked yeah. like one of us. Yeah. And you sometimes, people can be critical, but have a heart. The guy put put so much time and effort into that team to get that 1-0 win. Yeah, he stole the show with that one bit of a crying moment. But you like, can't can't fault that because football is such a passionate sport to play and you get right into it. And I, I just I just love the iconic moment. I love it. Yeah. I like, uh, very similar. I think it's it's another moment of um, of raw emotion that Ralph showed a lot at times, which I think fans... Uh, really, you know, leaned into him over was um, when he, he we scored a goal and I can't remember who it was against and he, he runs down the touchline about five feet and then goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, oh yeah, the <laughs> classic. Just, let's get back to it. He's like, you like, <laughs> come on. Oh no, 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 come on, calm down. Still got a game to play here. Yeah, um, yeah I absolutely love that. And I think, yeah, you, you summarized it very well in terms of he he just embodied fandom in terms of he was a supporter, not just a manager. Um, so yeah, a lot of time for Ralph. I think we, we've we mentioned it multiple times, the right decision, things need freshened up, but I don't think his time at St. Mary's should be looked upon as failure. I actually think all in all, he did a good job. Uh, I don't feel emotional after talking about Ralph, but we we must move on with the podcast, as does Southampton FC. I think it's a good time to take a break right now. This is so we can just uh, gather our thoughts before we go into yeah. the second half and Reach talk about a new manager. Kleenex. Ooh, that sound... No, no that, not like... Yeah, that does sound weird. For tears, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, From sure. the eyes. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't Shouldn't know how to... I've got, I've got an image in my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's get into the... Saints trivia. Yeah, uh, here we go. What? Uh, you didn't so, finish it? Uh, well, I didn't. Come on, Tom. I... If you're going to do it, do it properly. Come on. <clears throat> Saints trivia of the week. There you go. Did something different there, and uh, I'm not happy with it either. So, Steve, <laughs> here we go. The last time Saints won at Anfield was in the Cup in 2017. The question is, this week, for your Saints Trivia of the Week, who was the goal scorer and manager at the time? 
All right then, hope you enjoyed that break. Um, we're back, we're here, we're ready to go again. It feels very like this is the second half of the season. Let's get to it, Steve. Who was the goal scorer back in 2017, the last time Saints beat Liverpool at Anfield, and who was the manager? Um, right, which which part of 2017? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because I joined in November 2017, okay. um, and... That's really when I started watching every single game. Prior to that, I have okay. to confess, I didn't watch every single game. So what? therefore, I'm unsure. I do have a an, an idea in mind. I okay, well, let way, me... Way off the mark, but... Okay, as as we have alluded to in this podcast, you do, do, do follow another team. Mm. Um, and this semi-final victory against Liverpool, 1-0 at Anfield, and this certain scorer, it's embedded in most Saints fans' memory, uh, took us to the League Cup final where we played Manchester United and were absolutely robbed because uh, <laughs> an offside that should never have been an offside. But Ibrahimovic stole the show that day. So uh, that is what was waiting for this Southampton team. I can picture the kit. It's the black kit um, mm. made by Under Armour. Uh, ran quite a distance, did this player, uh, to score this goal. Yep. I think... As if memory, my limited memory serves me, it was Shane Long and the manager was Claude Puyel. Congratulations, Steve. You have passed this week's <laughs> test. Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough about that, uh, the last time Saints beat Liverpool at Anfield was back in 2013. Another 1-0 Get in there, get out. At the time, uh, Brendan Rodgers was the Liverpool manager and the manager for Southampton that day was Pochettino. Uh, Dijan Lovran scored the only goal. So basically what I'm trying to say is getting ahead of myself. Don't think we're going to be winning at the weekend. But <laughs> much to talk about this, Steve, because as Ralph the Rabbit Hutch leaves the building, uh, a new manager is supposedly coming in uh, to the Saints. And I will just uh, mention this before... Um, I looked at a particular favourite of Southampton, Charlie Austin. Not sure if you, mm. rem you remember him. I uh, do. <laughs> actually, his... I actually backed into Charlie once at Staplewood. I was getting a, a tour. In fact, it was when I was having my interview for the job. Um, we were at Staplewood and uh, Tom Cool, who's, who's my boss, um, was like, oh, do you want to have a look around and stuff? Oh, there's the, there's the changing room and there's this and there's that. And I was just stood in a in a corridor and with a, a door to my back and the door and I was kind of leaning and then the door opened and I kind of fell back slightly and then I just turned around as Charlie Austin and he, and, all, and I actually thought he's massive like he's only, <laughs> he, he he didn't strike me as like a big player he was he only looked well, I thought it was maybe like what like five ten something like that maybe like kind of like slightly above average height but honestly I was like he is massive. I know I'm very, very petite as as men go, but um, yeah, I was not expecting him to be so big. So the door opened. Was he just hiding in the cupboard, or it must have been a door to somewhere? I don't know if it was the bathroom, or is there another changing room, or it was a physio's office? I'd have no idea where what what was behind that door. But yeah, just a little little interesting anecdote there. Well, maybe not interesting, an anecdote there. Charlie Austin in Narnia, uh, eating Turkish delight and then knock Steve Forbes flying as he comes <laughs> through the door. Well, listen, at the end of the day, you did get the job. So, Steve, bearing that anecdote in mind, Charlie Austin has said about the club, um, 
obviously that Ralph had been there for four years and highlight obviously keeping the team in the Premier League. You could say, yes, Ralph was a success. It depends on what ambitions of the football club are. Now, bearing that in mind, there's been many rumours about who will be replacing Ralph at St Mary's and of course Staplewood, the training facilities. Um, so uh, many people have been put forward for it, but if we are led to believe that all contracts have been signed, Nathan Jones, the one and only Luton manager, comes to the Saints. Steve, what is your take on this? Well, this was really fast moving, actually, wasn't it? Um, Ralph was only let go on Monday morning and then we were kind of hearing throughout the day that Nathan Jones was the favourite to succeed him at Saints. And then on on Tuesday, um, Luton had released a, a statement saying that they'd given Nathan permission to speak to Southampton about the vacancy. Um, and then Luton played in the championship on Tuesday night and he he Nathan Jones didn't say that he was leaving but he did say that he would be speaking to Southampton mm. um because he'd been given permission to do so do so sorry I don't know if anything's signed yet again we're recording this on Wednesday before the Sheffield Wednesday cup game so stuff may have happened across the evening and then into Thursday before the pod comes out but at this moment in time not signed sealed and delivered but very much the favorite uh, to be the next manager. I think I'm in two minds about this. I think on one hand, it's a very good move because what I really like is seeing coaches, British coaches, given opportunities when they've come up through the leagues. They've they've done their graft, you know, they've been through the, the EFL pyramid and they've reached the promised land of the Premier League and they're given an opportunity. We're not just seeing instant, instant success on the continent and then going, oh, they'll do, or they come from the Red Bull model or, or they're, they're doing the, the business in Portugal or they finish second in 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 that particular league or they've, they've got into the Champions League or whatever it may be and then gone after a hot young property. I think Nathan Jones is someone who has... Been around the block. He's 49 years old, former player as well. Um, played for Southend, um, Brighton, Yeovil. So not particularly, and when when he played for Brighton, it's, they weren't a Premier League team at the time. So um, he's not been a player at the, the very highest level. And then when you look at his managerial career, um, he was assistant manager at Brighton. He's been the, the, the manager at Luton. And in his period at Luton the first time around, won them promotion from League Two to League One after a 10-year absence from that division. Also very much renowned for having teams that score a lot of goals. In fact, I think I wrote down one of the stats is that he's overseen many high-scoring games, including a 7-0 win, a 7-1 win, an eight, and an 8-2 win. So if he could bring that to St Mary's and we're not, we're not losing 9-0, but we're winning 8-0 or 7-1 or whatever, I'm sure that would go down an absolute treat. Um, so it's not only his teams that score a lot of goals, it's also the, the points they accumulate. So when he left Luton, sorry, for, for Stoke in January 2019, he left them with the highest football league points per game ratio of any manager in their history. So you can say, yes, he's done it at a lower level. He's done it at League Two into League One and then in the championship with Stoke and then when he went back to Luton. But part of me is excited to see if he can bring that ethos into the Premier League, into Southampton, and create a very offensive team again. 
The other side of me thinks, has he got the chops to do it? But he's untested. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I don't know, people were saying, get Poch back. I mean, this, this the job is so far gone past Poch now, it's not even funny, so it's not going to happen. But... You know what I mean? These types of managers who have done it at the elite level, they've been in the Premier League, they've been in Europe. And I think where that is an argument, and, and I'm slightly swayed to one side, depending how, which side of the bed I wake up on in the morning, I actually think, realistically, getting Nathan Jones from a lower league club, only one division below, and Luton got into the uh, playoffs last season, um lost in the semi-finals to Huddersfield, but, you know, got them there. No one really expected that. He he could just be the breath of fresh air that is required um, at Southampton. Uh, there were many managers put forward for it, like maybe even the River Plate manager, Gallardo, Sean Dyche, uh, a lot of people that are unproven. I mean, Sean Dyche, you could say he's proven in the Premier League, keeping teams up from being relegated for a certain amount of time. Um, but I I have to agree, looking at this, I think you may as well. It's a gamble, but one that could pay dividends. Pochettino wasn't proven in the Premier League when he came and did a great job. Neither was Ronald Koeman. So, you know, you know what? I think fair enough. I like the fact that in some respects, we haven't gone for a tried and tested different style of manager to what Ralph is. In terms of, you mentioned him earlier, Mark Hughes as a stopgap. I like the fact that this is a guy that could bring a brilliant ethos to the club. However, I will say this. Imagine his first meeting. <laughs> if it is Nathan Jones. He's going to go in there. All right, lads, I'm Nathan Jones. And everyone's like, mm, never never managed in the Premier League. Like He has got a tough job ahead of him with those players to get them onside quickly. And... If rumours to be believed, how Ruben Seles and Ralph and the rest of the, the coaches have, have, have discussed Ralph leaving with the players, they better start playing well for their position in the club uh, and the team. So yeah, look, Nathan Jones, not someone I would have necessarily picked, but you'd imagine, and this I think is the most important point, the ownership isn't getting a manager to get them relegated. Let's never forget that. No ownership is saying, let's get relegated. You know what I mean? So they, they, they look at this manager as being someone for the future. There's, there's a few points to, to pick up on there. And the first one is when it comes to how the players will accept him. And I think it's, it's a level of professionalism. I'm sure the players will. They'll have to listen. I don't think we're at the, the echelons of like Paris Saint-Germain or Real Madrid where the players are so inflated that, that, that they feel that they can pick the, the manager that comes in or, or pick the team if you're Mbappe. Um, but... The the what I was going to say on that particular one is is that Nathan Jones in his history as a manager has made wholesale changes at clubs. So in his first season when he went to Luton, he made 10, 12, I think twelve signings. Right, second season let a raft of players go, made another ten signings. So this is this is a manager who could come in, assess this squad, and be like. Well, no, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Don't like your attitude. You're not good enough. And then just decide, well, if I'm sure this will come about in talks with the the ownership of how much money am I going to get to spend either in January and then next summer. But I think that's a factor as well, is this is not a manager who's scared to start afresh. Yeah. Right? Just but, get, but, get rid and start afresh, right? Yeah, but, but it, it, that's League One, League Two. And, I'm, and I'm not, I, I feel like there's a... Like you've, 
they've spent some big money this year. Imagine if he comes in and goes, Bazuna, it go. No, don't like you, Gav. Yeah, but I think that's that, that's different. Like that we we can all see that they are they are quality players, and that there's there are some players that we we have we have said that maybe aren't up to up to the standard needed really. Um, so that that's that's the first fact. The other one is that he won Championship Manager of the Year um, last season, so he's got credentials. You know, I know it's not the Premier League, but you know he's still proven in that regard. Um, what were the other points you made? Well, just the fact that it's going to be very difficult for him to to get into the club and lay down that sort of, these are my ideas of how we're going to play and do it quickly. And really, even though I didn't say that, but, but just it's going to be difficult for him because I think everyone was expecting a big name or a bigger name to come in. So he's already on the back foot. Can he get the players to listen to him? And that will be the test is when he comes in. And I know there's always a new manager bounce, but the, the players that have been played maybe out of position, haven't enjoyed Ralph as a manager, because it happens, it's human behaviour. Yeah. Those players will get a lift. And, you know, it. I just think it's be really tricky for him to come in and say, you know, this is how we're going to play. But he must have had a plan because surely in the job interview, they interviewed Nathan and go, what would you do with this squad? And he's probably had a, a blueprint plan. Maybe he hasn't, but you know, because I'm, no, I'm, you, I'm sure that I'm sure that recruitment process and the interview, he would have had to come up with a presentation or at least talk about his philosophy and stuff. You don't just hire a manager off off of nothing. Um, but you you mentioned about about being a manager for the future, and they wouldn't hire a manager to get them relegated. Well, I think as well, based on if this is the appointment made is what I would hate to see is, God forbid, Southampton do go down this season if he can't turn it around, that then they just, you know, cut him loose and then try again. I actually mm. think in a way it's quite a smart appointment because the pressure is off slightly of having a manager with credentials of of the the highest um, divisions in, in Europe or or being a, a really high-end ex-player that, takes a little bit of that pressure off, a little bit of the immediate, the media attention away from him as well. I don't think he'll get the same level of, of, of interest as maybe as, as obviously like a Klopp or a Guardiola or a Ten Hag. I know that's based on the teams, but we see managers, Patrick Vieira, like they, they get, they get attention. Um, so I think maybe that's a little bit of pressure off. And if, you know, if Southampton don't stay up this season, he knows what he's doing in the championship. Yeah, that's so. When you say there there is a manager for the future, I think even if worst comes to worst and Southampton are playing Championship football next season, let's hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, I also think it's quite a good appointment in that regard because you're then not just going to let a manager go because they earn too much money because they're a big name and then have to go on the search again. You can stick with this guy who's put his um, his parts of the jigsaw in place for the past nine months. Yeah, and maybe this Nathan Jones has said. If it is the manager, he said, look, I like the the setup of, of how uh, the academy is lined up. I like the facilities. I, I can get on board with that. I'm not going to change the way we play too much, but I'm going to get back to a winning mentality and scoring more goals if possible. Um, then, yeah, it, it's, it's a great signing. I, I totally agree with you. I don't want to see another manager because we had Mark Hughes after Puel and then we had Pellegrino. Oh, and it was just dross. And so actually... Yeah. This is good. If he's an exciting attacking manager and can turn our fortunes around, then 
brilliant. And if he's not the right guy, we'll have to get a manager anyway. So um, yeah, or, or onwards and upwards. I, I don't really have a, a feeling on him saying he shouldn't be chosen. You just feel like part of you as a Saints fan is like, oh, a bit deflated. Could we not get anyone in who was a bit more well-known? And yet the naivety is actually Nathan Jones could be the perfect candidate to take over this squad. And we just don't know. I completely yet. agree, mate, because I think you're right. I think most football fans now, the FIFA generation, you want a manager who you know, oh my God, oh, we've got Perlo or we've got whoever, we've got Gattuso in or whatever, who don't fucking do anything. You know what I mean? Like they're just then, they're great ex-players and whatever, but as managers, they're not proven. And you're right. I think that having someone like, like Nathan, if he ends up coming in, like he clearly has got, you know, a brain in between his ears who knows football, he's done it at, at lower lower leagues and he just needs to make that step up and start managing bigger egos and slightly yeah. um, more talented players, really. And if he can do that, I think he's got it sorted. One thing I would have said was the fact that it, at Stoke, it didn't go well. No. You know what? I, I like the fact that he's he's had failings because you only learn from mm. those failings and he's, and he's obviously clearly gone away, reassessed things and gone, right, okay, I won't do that again. So actually, do you know what? When we look at someone's resume and go, oh, that didn't go well, did it? If you're expecting perfection, it just doesn't happen. There are blemishes yeah. where you're like, oh, do you know what? I'd rather forget about that. But at the same time, I really needed that experience in my mm. career because I learned from it. And the fact that this appointment, yet to be a confirmed appointment, but the fact that they moved so quickly, literally within the same day of Ralph leaving to then asking Luton permission to speak to Nathan Jones means that Southampton have been doing their homework on him already. Yeah. It's not a, that's not a, uh, a scattergun approach of, oh, and I know you were mentioning names like River Plate and stuff, but I think the speed at which, and also the fact it came out in the press and, and Luton released that statement doesn't strike me as Southampton have reached out to loads of people. That very much strikes me as a, that's someone trying to sell a story in, in South America or a journalist has been texted by an agent that this person got contacted and it might have happened recently, it might have happened ages ago. Um, yeah, the, the pace that it moved between Ralph leaving and Nathan Jones having permission to speak to Southampton leads me to believe that that was someone they that was their first choice and someone they'd done their homework on for a couple of months already. Right, Tom, we've talked a lot about managers past and potentially present in this episode, um, but we have to also touch on the football at hand. Um, first, we'll, we'll dwell, unfortunately, on what was a rather dismal day, not just because of the weather, but also the result at St Mary's on Sunday, a 4-1 loss to Newcastle. Something that we, we spoke about in the previous episode and, and were expecting a, a tough game. We were expecting Newcastle to to be firing. Uh, we spoke about how good they were defensively and uh, and players that are really stepping up to the mark, the, the money they've spent, the good job Eddie Howe's done. And I think that somewhat came to fruition, but what frustrated me was actually how Southampton played. It felt like at times we basically gave it to Newcastle. Like so Their goals, although well taken, in my view from watching the game, were somewhat gifted. Mm -hmm. um, their first goal that Almiron scored was like a, the tackles were terrible. Like, just couldn't get rid of the ball and then it bounced off him and then bounced off his knee and then he was through on one-on-one -on -one with Bazuna and put it away. Um, Shea should have levelled. In fact, there was two opportunities. You had the Moyele Yanusi chance from about four yards that he put wide um, and then Shea doing the 
the or attempting a stunning volley um, and then put that wide when he had plenty of time in my non-Premier League professional footballer opinion to, to take that down and just tap it home. Um, and then moments later, go down the other end and score. We've seen, we've seen one of their goals where Perro rushes out. And I thought Perro actually had a pretty good game. And obviously his goal was good, very good for a left back, um, especially with his right peg. But he rushes out and then misses the ball and then basically a through ball and then that's it. Um, Joe Willock scores um, from that. So it felt like the goals that Newcastle scored were just not easy, but they were just, there was, they were easy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Jamie Redknapp. I always go by the words of uh, Jamie Redknapp, obviously the TV personality. Jamie Redknapp, uh, he said of that defending against Newcastle, like watching under 10s all diving in. Um, it's got a point. I don't necessarily, if you didn't get the element of sarcasm there, uh, I was just saying I don't necessarily agree with Jamie Redknapp all the time, but I think that was a fair assessment of the defending. And again, unable to take our opportunities. Uh, we had more shots on target, just just didn't didn't take them. Um yeah, it just it looks a bit flat. Elanusi had a really good game. Uh, people have been debating about oh, should he be should Moy be in the team? Um, yeah, he should. He's playing, yeah. playing well, looks good. Yeah. Uh, there's just moments. I think if if we could get all of the eleven to play at top level that we know that they can play, what a team we'd have. It's fine margins, isn't it, Tom? Yeah. In the Premier League, it's really fine margins, and it's it's the difference between an inch of a, of trying to trying to tackle a player, and you might be a centimeter. Uh, or, a, or a millisecond too late, and therefore yeah. you miss that challenge. You, your your shot might be an inch wide of the post. You know what I mean? Therefore, it, it doesn't bounce and go in. Um, it, it's a really small margins at this level of the game, which make the difference between a win and a loss, or in a loss of, of that particular type. Your, your comments from Redknapp, again, that's something actually said after the first 20 minutes of the game to, to the people sat around me, was it was like watching um, school football. Mm. In a way, the ball was just pinging everywhere. Um, no team, both Newcastle, I'd say, as well as Southampton, couldn't keep hold of of possession. It was end to end, balls pinging everywhere, challenges going in, missing balls, missing 50-50s. And it was exciting. It was fun. It was entertaining. Not necessarily top draw football, um, but it was, I have to say, on, on this occasion, I do agree with Jamie Redknapp. It was a little bit like watching school kids play at times. And we, we cannot play that way against Liverpool or Anfield. Uh, I know they lost to Forest. They lost to Leeds. In between that, they beat Ajax. They beat Napoli. And now they're coming off the back of beating Tottenham. Uh, I know they've got Derby in the cup, so we don't know that result because that's in the future. But when you're listening to this, it's in the past. I don't want to mess with your head there. But uh, I think, as we know how good Liverpool can be, uh, I think... We're going to have to defend much better than that and hope that we can take chances. But again, we've said that all season. So I'm looking at that Liverpool game at the weekend and I think, batting down the hatches, this is going to be a tough one. I almost see the next two games as free hits. Completely free hits. We're going into a World Cup break. Yes, you don't want to go into it in the relegation zone. That's a bit of a weight on new manager, on players' shoulders, looking at that table for six weeks before the 26th of December and going, oh, we're, we're in the relegation places here. Yeah. It's not. It's probably not a good feeling. However, what are the expectations? The expectation should be to get past Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup. But if they don't, focus on the Premier League. Focus staying up this season. Focus on finishing as high as you can in the table. 
Um, I don't think we're um, we have the luxury this season of going. You know what? We'll do all right in the Premier League mid table. Let's have a really good cup run. I I personally think due to the start of the the league season, the focus needs to be on safety um, and and almost sacrificing in a way the the, the cups as it were. Um, yeah, but so it, sorry, just just on that point, mate. The, the, the fact that obviously Sheffield Wednesday is a League Cup game and Premier League, you would say, is far more important right now. But I don't know, Ruben Sellers, this guy who's taken over, you could play the same 11 that, that Ralph's been played, or you could give an opportunity to some, the, the players that played in, let's call it them the reserves, like Seiko Mara scored that four goals in that game. You're like, well, actually- I think let, they will let, play. Yeah, let, let him have a chance, get some minutes under their belt. Um, that's what I'm saying, being a free hit, is that it gives yeah. you that opportunity to play those fringe players, play some of the youngsters. We might even see- Don Ballard on Wednesday night, and I saw your ears prick up there. Um, we might see, yes, yeah, Sekou Mara, we might see Lewis Payne. Like, we, we, we could see some players who are just on the cusps of, of you know, mm. a couple of youngsters of actually getting into the first team, and then others that are on the cusp of, of maybe starting, like Sekou Mara. So I think in that regard, as a free hit, not necessarily not caring about the game. Oh, yeah. And, no, then we, yeah. and then when we go forward to Liverpool, what are we expecting? You know what I mean? Like Liverpool might not be having the finest season by their very, very high standards, um, but they're still Liverpool and they still have an absolutely fantastic team um, that can play excellent, excellent football. Yes, they have lost to Forest. Yes, they have lost to Leeds. But you mentioned the other victories they've had over the last couple of weeks. And um, I, I kind of just think, well, whatever, just put in a good performance if you can get a result, if you can get a point, amazing, amazing. Yeah. But no one is expecting it. No, I suppose Ruben uh, goes in and goes, look, Sheffield Wednesday, we should beat the, the quality in this dressing room. We should beat this team. So I've named the 11. There they are on the wall. And everyone tries to peer around. Get, go, God, blow me. Am I in the? Yeah, you're in the starting line. They still line. do that. They still blue yeah, tack they it must. Up. They must blue tack it. That's what I want the image to be that. And everyone's like, yay, I made the team. I want a bit of excitement to put I on I would have thought shirt. it would have been like a digital screen now. Like everything's so modern. I can imagine. Or, or a big whiteboard. <laughs> I don't know how it would be. Uh, if but, you could um, all check the WhatsApp group and um, someone pipes yeah. up. Roman goes, I'm not on the WhatsApp group. Well, yeah. Oh, and then awkward. I left. Um, <laughs> and then I just want that team to just rock out just go for it just smash it and then Liverpool take whatever you can from that result I, I agree with you it is two free hits because at the end of the day it doesn't matter these we won't be looking back at these two fixtures going well this was the turning point for Southampton in as much as if we lose it doesn't really matter but if we pick up some confidence then obviously that's going to really help and these are the players showing themselves for whoever comes in as the manager that they they've got the minerals uh, and they should definitely be played when the new manager's there yeah definitely well we're going to bring things to to a close now, Tom. We have got one more game until that World Cup break. Don't know what we'll be discussing over six weeks. Um, we'll, we'll, we might touch on the World Cup. Maybe the one ah. Southampton player that may go to the World Cup. We don't know. <laughs> um, but I know that there is probably still going to be stuff happening in and around Southampton during that break because um, a lot of players won't be going. Um, they're still... Lower league football on, still women's football going on, um, still Premier League 2 football going on. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But it's going to be a really odd time. Do you not think? Do you think it's going to be, it's going to feel weird that just after next week, we won't be watching any Premier League football till Boxing Day? It's, it's a tough decision, isn't it? 20th of November. Do you watch Qatar versus Ecuador? Or do you watch away from St. Mary's, Saints travel to Blackburn for the women's team? I feel like I'd probably choose the Blackburn women's uh, team yeah. because why not? Uh, they are flying at the moment. So yeah, uh, there are there is much to report on uh, in terms of the women's game and, and, and the Premier League too. But yeah, World Cup's happening. I always get excited about it. I didn't collect the stickers this year because I'm in my 30s, but I, uh, I would have loved to have done had my other half given me permission. But uh, the point <laughs> is, because we're saving for a wedding, uh, I, I think it is an exciting time and uh, I'm actually excited. Do you know what? I would look at the Liverpool game as a bit of fear, like, oh no. But then I learned that phrase, don't fear fear. I'm excited about which player steps up and looks like we can get right behind them for the rest of the season. You're like, yes, you deserve to wear the Saints shirt, you know, and I'll go and get that player's name on the back of my new uh, green shirt, which by the way, if you haven't checked out, uh, I will have posted uh, on our Twitter. I uh, took a picture of me with the green kit at F1 Esports. So you're welcome. Nice. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, and if Don Ballard scores on um, on Wednesday night against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, tattoo, mate. Tattoo. Ta- yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Get that across your shoulder blades. Don't, oh. don't, need, don't need the shirt printed. I'll just have it permanently uh, engraved, essentially, on the back. I, I won't even have Ballard. I'll just have Dom tattooed somewhere. <laughs> and people are like, that's not your name. And I go, no, I know, it's Dom. They go, but I thought it was Tom. And that'll be much confusion <laughs> and hilarity. <laughs> Right, well, that is it for this week's We March On with Stephen Tom. If we haven't plugged it enough during the uh, episode, make sure to follow us on social media at We March On Pod. If you are a sponsor, maybe you're a local business to the Southampton area and think, oh, I love this podcast. Let's chuck let's chuck a bit of money to make it better. Then you can do. Send us an email to wemarchonpod at gmail.com. Um, we are still looking for investment in the podcast. And that's about it, Tom. Not just content either. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. Saints Brass, do us a favour, yeah? Play us out.